I'm Joyce Timmerman with Silverwood Dairy Farms in Waller, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. This is Texas Ag Today, the number one source for the latest news in Texas agriculture. The largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State covers it all. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Here's today's top stories. Texas A&M AgriLife is offering online resources to help Texas High Plains farmers with their planting decisions. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Getting a new farm bill is one of the priorities for the state's largest farm organization this year. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. The pork checkoff is allowing for producer-led strategic investments. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and we will learn more about those investments on Texas Ag Today. Now, here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up? We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Be sure to hold on tight because it all starts right now. We have another show today from the Cattle Industry Convention, CattleCon 24 in Orlando, Florida. A lot of Texans are here at the annual meeting, like Robbie Kirkland of Kirkland Feed Yard in Vega, Texas, in the Panhandle. Robbie is also the chairman-elect of the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. He told me a lot of his customers are using the Livestock Risk Protection Program now to manage cattle market risk. So protecting that program is a priority among cattle producers here in Orlando. That's a uh, product that is comes through, kind of, kind of goes back to um, through a government subsidized insurance program. Um, and uh, I tell you what, it's it's like you said, it's it's they revised it a few years ago, and and it's just made it a better product um, for for those that uh, can use it. But it just you know, it gives you more opportunities to lay off that risk, to take some risk management, to to protect uh, what you know what you've uh, what the market's given you, and so it's it's just a really good product that uh, allows customers and 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 producers to to manage a risk. Kirkland says bigger cattle operations like feed yards can use the futures and options markets to protect themselves, but for smaller segments of the industry. The LRP program is becoming very popular. It's something people understand. We understand insurance, you know, and some people, you know, there, there's really good risk managers that deal with futures and options, and, and that's what we do a lot of, but there's a lot of people, they understand just taking an insurance policy, and that's what it is. And so uh, you're insuring the price of, of, your, of your livestock. So uh, good product. Um, like I said, there's been little conversation uh, this week on that product, but... Uh, it's a it's a good product that uh, we just want it to be around. At the end of the day, the conversation is not necessarily um, a, a negative one. It's just you know what do we need to do as an industry? What do we support that we know that this product still stays around? In 2023, there were over 19,000 feeder cattle policies in effect, covering over 4 million head. That's more than twice the number of cattle covered just a year earlier. 
There were also over 6,000 fed cattle policies in effect last year, covering 850,000 cattle. And Texas cattle producers are buying more of these livestock risk protection policies than anywhere else in the country. A full 56% of the LRP policies last year were covering Texas cattle. Texas A&M AgriLife is offering online resources to help Texas farmers with their planting decisions. James Hunt has that story from Amarillo. With area farmers working on their planting decisions for this year, Texas A&M AgriLife has just posted two online resources to help them with the economic side of the decision-making process. One of those products is the AgriLife Crop Budgets, which forecast local crop prices and the anticipated cost of producing those crops. The other resource is called the Crop Profitability Analyzer. D.D. Jones is the AgriLife Risk Management Specialist in Amarillo. One of the biggest issues we've had with our budgets for a long time is that we're creating crop budgets for the entire Texas Panhandle. That's 22 counties. And so the average yield for somebody down, let's say, in Wellington is going to be very different than the yield for somebody up in Dalhart. I mean, that's three, four hours away. And so that makes a big difference when you're trying to find average production prices and average profits. And so one thing that we've created several years ago is a crop profitability analyzer where we take all our extension budgets and we put them into an interactive Excel spreadsheet. And the budgets are the starting point. And then the producer can go in, they can use that spreadsheet and they can tweak it to represent their own yields and their own prices and their own input cost. And that's going to give their personal return over variable costs or return over production expenses and return over total costs, which is another important number that we look at. And it's going to show them what their break-even yields are and their break-even prices are. Once again, that was D.D. Jones of AgriLife. To find these online resources, go to AgriLife's Amarillo website, amarillo.tamu.edu. That's amarillo.tamu.edu. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Getting a new farm bill is one of the priorities for the state's largest farm organization. Jessica Domel tells us time is short to get it done. The clock is ticking on the current extension of the 2018 Farm Bill, and farmers, ranchers, and organizations across the nation have their eyes on the nation's capital awaiting movement on the food and farm legislation. Laramie Adams, National Legislative Director for Texas Farm Bureau, tells us that getting a new farm bill is one of the national legislative priorities for the state's largest farm organization. We've been working on our priorities for Farm Bill at Texas Farm Bureau for a couple of years now and building up to this moment. Obviously, we wish we could have gotten a Farm Bill done in 2023, but with Congress in their backlog of things that they need to get done, it just hasn't happened yet. So we're thankful that we do have an extension now. But I think the biggest priority for us is making sure that we strengthen the farm safety net. As we look at farmers and ranchers across the state and across the country, they're struggling. They're dealing with higher input costs. Just the cost of equipment alone is something that we have to look at. And then fuel, of course, is really making it a struggle for them out there. And we haven't seen a positive reaction in the markets to offset those costs. We're talking about updating reference prices. That hasn't been done in a number of years. And we have to make sure that our farm safety net is 
keeping up with the challenges that our farmers are facing. So we're going to be continuing to talk to not only our chairman of the House Ag Committee and Senate Ag Committee and, and the ranking members and their staff, but also just educating our delegation. And I think that Texas Farm Bureau has done a good job of that. The current Farm Bill extension runs through September 30th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The National Pork Board is making strategic investments on behalf of Texas pork producers. Tom Nicoletti has more. My guest today is Dr. David Newman. He is Senior Vice President of Market Growth with the National Pork Board. And Dr. Newman, let's talk about uh, what you folks are doing at uh, the Pork Board uh, when it comes to uh, strategic investments uh, for pork producers in Texas and across the country. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me, Tom. And, you know, I would tell you that as part of the checkoff, we uh, work hard on behalf of the over 60,000 pork producers in the United States. And our strategic investments right now are really centered around many different factors that our producers are facing every day, whether it is disease control, the risk of African swine fever, market access, those areas. Right now, a lot of the questions that I'm really pointed at every day are around demand and pork demand specifically. So in my role at Pork Board, I oversee international market development, domestic market development, and our human nutrition, health, and wellness category as well. You mentioned pork exports, and uh, they are up in 2023 in various uh, countries around the world. Yes, and Tom, the exports have been a shining star for us. The United States pork industry is in some of its most challenging times it's ever seen. Our producers are, are facing some, some pretty significant headwinds right now. So exports have been a very positive story to tell in 2023, especially key markets like Mexico have been very good to the industry. Latin America continues to be an emerging market for us. And of course, what's happening in Asia, some of our more mature markets like Japan, South Korea, but then expanding markets into Southeast Asia. So there's a lot of opportunity still moving forward in this export market moving forward. That is Dr. David Newman. He is with the National Pork Board. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. This is James Duncan. I'm sitting inside enjoying the rain here in East Texas today. By now, we ought to be over with it, but we have accepted the rain, and we love it. It's done us real good this time, minus the ice. We'll talk about that on my report today. And multiple antibiotics are approved for use in cattle, but it's important to know which one to use. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up. These stories plus a look at the markets are straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. National FFA Week is February 17th through the 24th, a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA President Amara Jackson from Michigan. What better way to show your support of FFA members than to get involved in FFA Week? Whether it's in person, on the phone, or via social media, be sure to share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week, February 17th through the 24th. We're heard on over 140 great Texas radio stations. This is Texas Ag Today on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. East Texas farmers and ranchers are enjoying the wintertime rains. James Duncan has this update from Marshall. 
in the East Texas area. The winter has been with us for a while now, and we have had our portion of the sleet and the snow we like to have here. Other folks may want more, but we, we've had enough. Now, we did receive some welcome rain. Uh, the old nursery rhyme, rain, rain, go away. No, we want it. We want it today and still going because we are short on moisture as far as the producing of forage is concerned. Now, I had a call one day this week where a man says, you know, the crocus are already popping up. Well, that's a false hope. Don't get your hope too high because they just uh, indicate that we may have a good year coming, but it's a little early yet to put away your snowshoes. Let's keep that in mind. Now, we have meetings going on around the area. I have had now sometime during this month. It's always a popular thing to do. And in February, we have a meeting coming up in Texarkana at the Four States Fairground there, right in the middle of Texas and Arkansas line. And it is a joint effort by the Texas A&M University Extension Service and the Arkansas University Extension Service as they work together jointly on this particular program. A lot of common interest with our producers in this area. And one of the things that they'll be talking about uh, is the decline of forage and the reversing of that by our own Dr. Vanessa Olson from right here in Overton at the research station. Other things, though, I noticed on this program this year, a lot of talk about insect control, both on livestock and the pests around our homes and barns on the farms and how we can do a better job of controlling them. And along with everything else that goes on, forage production, equipment show, everything here, there is a five CEU available to a producer that needs to get more help on his uh, pesticide license. So you can get it at Texarkana, and that's going to be on Thursday, February the 8th, starts at 8 o'clock in the morning. Lots of good information for you. You may want to make plans to attend. Doesn't matter where you are, you do not have to pre-register. Come on up and enjoy the food. Actually, we get a little back from the Farm Bureau for they buy the dinner. So y'all come on out. We'd be glad to have you in Texarkana on February the 8th for this big meet at the Four States Fairground, located right there on the line between Texas and Arkansas. This is James Duncan from Marshall for Texas Ag Today. Multiple antibiotics are approved for use in cattle. Dr. Bob Judd says it's important to know which antibiotics to use in different situations. Bovine respiratory disease, or BRD, is one of the most costly diseases in cattle. Prevention of the disease is the best option, but this is not always possible, and antibiotics are usually required to treat the disease. Every antibiotic class has different characteristics, and it is important to use these antibiotics properly. Dr. Ronald Tessman indicates at Drovers.com that the most common classes of antibiotics used in cattle are microlides and fluoroquinolones. Macrolides, such as tulethromycin, are time-dependent bacteriostatic antibiotics, and this means they must maintain a minimal concentration in the animal over a period of time to overcome a bacterial infection. The minimal inhibitory concentration, or MIC, is the minimal amount of drug needed to suppress the growth of the bacteria, and the longer the time of this concentration, the better the antibiotic will work. A bacteriostatic antibiotic, like macrolides, only prevents growth of the bacteria, and is counting on the animal's immune system to actually kill the bacteria. Fluoroquinolones are concentration-dependent antibiotics, which means they only need to be at the MIC for a short period, as they are bactericidal and actually kill the bacteria. Mixing these two classes of antibiotics is not a good idea, because antibiotics that kill bacteria work best when the bacteria are growing. 
And since bacteriostatic antibiotics prevent growth, you would be wasting your money to give both classes together. Work with your bovine veterinarian to determine the organisms causing disease in your herd, and this will determine which antibiotics to use. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We'll check the markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. National FFA Week is February 17th through the 24th, a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA Secretary Grant Norfleet from Missouri. What better way to show your support of FFA than to get involved in FFA Week? Whether it's in person, on the phone, or via social media, be sure to share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week, February 17th through the 24th. Sometimes you love them, sometimes you cuss them. Here's a look at the markets on Texas Ag Today. Cattle futures closed lower to kick off the trading week on Monday. Both live and feeder cattle in the red with February live cattle down 82 cents, 179.72. The April down $1.40, 182.35. June down $1.30. At 180.47. Feeder cattle lower as well, with March feeders down 205, 242.75. April down $1.95, 248.25. May feeder cattle down $1.95 at 253.32. Cash fed cattle wrapping up last week, selling cattle here in Texas mostly at 178. That is three bucks higher compared to the previous week. Kansas cattle sold 178 to 179. That's four to five bucks higher. And then when you look up in the northern plains, we had live sales there at 176. Dressed sales mostly 280. Those prices three to five dollars higher. Box beef prices steady to higher. Choice unchanged 29308. Select was up 34 cents 28381. Now let's check those feeder cattle auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble and Rodney Butler of Beeville Livestock. How'd the Friday sale go, Rodney? Well, I can say we had an outstanding sale. We had some good cattle to sell, which always helps the market, but our market was really active Friday, sir. Walk the pens with me, Rodney. All right. We had 725 head of cattle, no horses, and 16 goats. And that market was sure enough active. Your two to 300 pound steers were 292 to 395. Heifers were 263 to 245. 300 to 400 pound steers were 283 to 260. Heifers, 266 to 380. 400 to 500 pound steers, 273 to 345. Heifers, 252 to 330. 500 to 600 pound steers with 246 to 315. Heifers, 225 to 275. 600 to 700 pound steers with 221 to 255. Heifers, 204 to 241. 700 to 800 pound steers were 205 to 235. And heifers were $1.89 to 213. Packer cows, sure enough, were strong and steady this week. They brought him from 63 to $1.10. Bulls brought from 96 to $1.27. Young stocker cows. 
miles, and we had a few of them. They were on the light side. They brought anywhere from seventy-three to a dollar fifty with some bred cows dollaring out around that eleven thirty-five. Good. Yeah. And we had one longhorn pair, and she brought nine hundred bucks. Are you aware of anything for this next week? Yes, sir. I know of probably about eighty Charlet cross calves coming. There'll be steers and heifers mixed. They'll probably be weighing that five and a half to six. And then I know of several other bunches of black calves coming this week too, sir. Rodney Butler, tell everybody how to contact you for the next Friday sale. Yeah, if I can help you market your cattle, call me. 361-358-1727 or call me on my mobile 645-5002 We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you and take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Rodney, thank you so much. That's Rodney Butler, Beville Livestock, my guest today on Walking the Pens, Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. Neighbor, good day to you. Thank you, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs. Finished lower on Monday. February hogs dropped a dollar five seventy-four forty. The April down a dollar sixty-two at eighty-two twenty. Class three milk was higher. February milk up four sixteen thirty-one a hundred weight. With March milk up thirty-six cents seventeen seventy-four a hundred. The cotton market put in a mixed close with a drop in the Dow Jones and a rise in the U.S. dollar affecting the market. We close with March cotton down 7 points, 87.04. May down 12, 88.03. With the new crop December contract up 21 points, 82.13 cents. Not much movement at all in the corn market on Monday. March corn unchanged, 442 and three quarters. May down a quarter penny, 453 and a quarter, with September corn unchanged, 468 and a half. But we did see a drop in the wheat complex, both hard and soft wheat heading south on Monday. March Kansas City wheat down 11, 614 a bushel. New crop July down eight and a half at 608. Soft wheat in Chicago, July contract down nine and three quarters, 603 and a quarter. In the energy markets, March natural gas unchanged at 208. March West Texas crude up 55 cents, 72.83 a barrel. The financial markets lower on Monday afternoon. The Dow down 223 points, 38,431. The Nasdaq down 20, 15,608 with the S&P down 10, 4,947. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for joining us for Texas Ag Today. Be sure to follow the Texas Ag Today podcast found wherever you listen to podcasts. For more Texas farm and ranch news, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.